It's the show where the topics are topical, but not typical. This is Atypically Topical with Mindy and Josh. Yes, welcome back to Atypically Topical. I am Josh, and as always, I'm joined by... Mindy. We're getting better at this. It's very professional. Well, I can't interrupt you because I don't know when the song ends, so I can't butt in because I, I can't... So listen. you don't know when I'm going to start talking until it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I don't put the song until after, so I kind of just start whenever I want. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. you edit it too, so you can just... I could always just make it so where you don't interrupt me. Exactly. <laughs> Use a previous intro. <laughs> Anyways, so how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, not a lot is new besides our dog still destroying stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me because like, I love him so much, but at the same time we can't we can't accept what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to cuddle him and <laughs> play with him, but I can't. Yeah. Not today, anyways. Maybe Not today, tomorrow. tomorrow. He basically destroyed a lot of stuff in the house while we were gone. When we thought we could trust him, so he's he's gone down a step. Yeah. Yeah, we're working on it. We're look, I looked up some YouTube videos and different resources online <laughs> to see what we could do about it, so. Yeah. I think part of it is he just needs to grow up and stop, like... Yeah, I think part of it like is also he's bored. Yeah, whenever we leave, but yeah. even if we don't like, we were gone maybe an hour, and he did all that. So yeah, we can't we can't accept it. Anyways, other than that, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's in town having fun, doing a lot of things. Yeah, watching the World Cup stuff like that. Yeah, for uh, what was it? Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a uh, poor women man. Pretty rough. There were, some people were saying, like, they should have like, gone easy towards the end. Because mm-hmm. they just kept scoring and celebrating like crazy. But, I mean... I mean, it's competition. It's international. Yeah. And I, I I think goals matter. Like, the number you get, it might be a sort of tiebreaker. Like, oh. goal differential or something, if you end up with the same... Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. So, I mean, why not? Yeah. It's You can't... You're not there to make friends. No, and it's the U.S., so yeah. that's part of mm-hmm. America. America. Anyways. And Julie Ertz. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Wife of Zach Ertz. Hmm? Wife of Zach Ertz, who is oh, the Eagles. Yeah. No one's going to know what you're talking about. Well, if they know, if they do know, they're cool. That's how we can There's a player tell. that's married to guys on the Eagles, basically. Yeah. When she's on the women's team. This is so. very inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know that's important to you. So. Yes. Anyways, um, this is completely unrelated to our topic. We're going to be talking about robots today. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like this would be an interesting one because a lot of my favorite stuff has to do with robots, like movies and video movies games. And, yeah. Um, Ex Machina, one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. that I've seen numerous times. iRobot was even pretty good when it came out, but I'm not sure how well it holds up anymore. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen <laughs> that I, one. I was like in, I was like a teenager when I saw it or something. And then we also just watched one on Netflix called I Am Mother, which was pretty good. I feel like it could have been shaved down maybe 30 minutes. Yeah, for sure. Because um, almost two hours was a little much for what they, the story they had mm-hmm. to tell. But it was it's worth a watch, but maybe you could probably skip some parts where like not a lot was going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good overall. Yeah, I liked it overall. I mean, I'm a sucker for those stories all about like AI or robots or just like interacting with them 
mm-hmm. what it means, like what value value we put on human life, I guess. Yeah, or like what decisions a robot has to make versus what it would do if like it had its own consciousness and stuff. Yeah. Kind of like what Ex Machina had. They had their own mm-hmm. little brain that they eventually used to spoiler alert turn on him so um but yeah i that's why i felt like this one is overdue we need to talk about robots so hopefully you found something i'm, I'm sure it's something i haven't heard of because i never hear the stuff you talked about so yeah is it does that to do with women again <laughs> women uh, robots no actually no <laughs> oh, okay. it's a lot of men a lot of men in this one yeah yeah, All I couldn't right. find anything on women. Mm-hmm. So, I next time, next week. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll get into it. Um, actually, there's something about a woman. Okay, that'll be later. <laughs> so, okay, so the first one, so I kind of did it on just ancient robots that existed. I know I, last week I talked about that um, that steam pigeon that was oh, right. that's <laughs> considered the first robot to ever um, existed. But here's some other ones that I just found that I thought were interesting. So, the first one is called The Writer. Um, and so, The Writer was designed in the late 1770s. And it's a little robot that um, this Swiss watchmaker, his name is Pierre Jack Droz, mm-hmm. designed with help from his sons. Um, and it's kind of considered one of the greatest automata design- designers Um never lived the the guy who designed this so um so i sent you the link to to the picture of the robot and so from the outside it kind of just looks like a boy just Mm -hmm. sitting on a desk holding a quill but inside is actually something like really crazy so it's six thousand custom made components to work in concert to create a fully contained programmable writing machine so i don't know if you can see the back yeah hold of on. this doll facebook is taking a sweet ass time oh yeah okay this looks really creepy yeah it is pretty <laughs> creepy um and there's a video i want you to click on but the thing is that um the the parts of the back of this doll like um like I said, you can program it, so you can program it to write like sentences and things like that. And so oh, you weird. just plug that in, and um, and it'll just start writing. And it's crazy because um, it's just its handwriting is better than my handwriting. <laughs> um, and this was created in the seventeen seventeen seventy, I think I said right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's just this little toy that writes. There's another one um, also that I found that's similar to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually in the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, and ex- instead of writing, it draws. So, like, it draws different pictures and stuff like that. But it has the same, like, basic components, like a little boy robot thing that mm-hmm. draws. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I just... definitely need to post a picture of this <laughs> this thing. It looks like, just like, yeah, definitely just looks like a little boy with the little... Feather pen and it's kind of creepy too because like its <laughs> eyes move too while uh, it's writing. Like it's following what it's writing. Yeah. And this was two hundred forty years ago. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good to look, <laughs> look at, but it's interesting. That is interesting. Very cool. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Again, another one I definitely have not heard of. 
All right, let's go to the next one. All right. Um, so the next one is called The Claw. Not The Claw from Toy Story. But the claw. The claw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that burp wasn't part of the impression. <laughs> um, so let me send you this too, so you can see. Because I thought it, this was interesting too. Yeah. I think it's number number nine. Well, what you sent is just one picture. Okay, it's one picture. Okay, cool. That's what I meant to do. Yeah, it looks like. It. It would fit the description of the claw. Yes. Yeah, so the claw was a precursor to the industrial robotic arm found in modern factories. It was employed against the Roman invaders in Syracuse in 213 Where? BC. Syracuse? Uh, I thought I said Syracuse. No. I was like, what? <laughs> Syracuse. Okay. Um, in 213 BC. Um, historian uh, Polybus... Polybubus, whatever, recounts the scene in his book <laughs> as Roman ships approached, approached, quote... You should teach history class. Yes, I should, I should. Uh, well, whatever, it doesn't matter, kids. <laughs> you get the general yeah, gist of it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, Quote, the giant hand swooped down on a target vessel and lifted the ship's prow, 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 out of the water and stood it up Again, directly. kids, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It's the top part of the ship, okay? Okay, so it would lift the top, like the pointy end of the ship, the front. Yeah, out of the water, and it it stood up vertically on its stern to the back part of the ship. Um, So it would basically pick it up and put it down, put it where it needs to be, out of the water? Yeah, essentially, like kind of stopping the ship in its tracks. Mm. And so... uh, But it's like a defensive thing, right? Yeah. It's not, because it looks like those guys are in trouble in this picture, that it's trying to just, like, knock them all overboard and then pick up its ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll get to, into that. So mm-hmm. so there's really no evidence that the machine was actually built, because it was just basically drawings, and it's based on the two laws of Archimedes. So it's the two laws are the law of the lever and the law of buoyancy. Mm. Which I have no idea what those are, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but they have done tests recently that show that building this crane device was possible at the time. So although, yeah, so there's no physical evidence of it existing, but it could have worked at the time. Mm-hmm. If they had, had done it. And I thought that was just, I thought this was cool just because it's just, um, they could control this arm to And again, at the time, too. Yeah, 213 BC. Yeah, that's very, very early adoption of robots. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, my last one. I I mostly chose this one because uh, this is a uh, robot I would want. Okay. Personally. And I'm going to send you the link to this one because it has a bunch of pictures. And I would explain how the machine works, but you just got to see the pictures and it'll make sense. Um, it's going to have a lot to post on the group today. Yeah, because it's, it's complicated. So um, this next one is about the maidservant of Finan. Philin? Whatever. Uh, Phylon of Byzantium? Mm-hmm. Automatic servant of Phylon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was created by this Greek inventor um, around 220 BC. And he was known as a Mechanicus. 
Mechanicus? Mechanicus? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of his impressive skills in engineering. And so he wrote this book, and in the book, he had the description of this female robot. And so the robot could mix water and wine to make a drink when a cup was placed in her hands. Is this so, <laughs> <laughs> the purpose of it? <laughs> yeah. That's just Tired kind of making my own drinks. <laughs> exactly. So there's a video you can watch, um, and there's pictures that you can see, like that shows, um, like uh, where the wine and the water would be, and the different different mechanisms mm-hmm. that would go through. Because there was like two containers of water yeah. and wine. It kind of just looks like a blueprint of the inner workings of what it would look like. So yeah. On this, I might just put the whole page on here to see. Yeah, you can look through it to see how it mm-hmm. works because it's kind of complicated. But there's like a there's a, a video too that shows about how um, how it would have worked. Yeah, I feel like there's a simpler way to do this now. Yeah, but this is the lazy way of doing yeah. it, so that's why I would want it. <laughs> um, but except with the water part, just put more wine in it, and yeah. it'll be fine. Make it like four parts wine and one part water, I guess. Let's just do a four-part wine. Why do you need water? <laughs> well, then you don't need to mix anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's just it just serves you wine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was just purely for that reason why I wanted to share this one. And also, it's pretty impressive, too, because it uses a lot of, like, physics um, to, to actually get it work, like different pipes. uses a lot of water flow physics and, you know, vacuums and things like that. And also, like, springs to help, like, Rod's release and whatever else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's why I chose this one because it's complicated and it serves you alcohol. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. That's very cool. Works. I did not know about any of these three things. So, that's crazy how long ago all this stuff mm-hmm. existed. People, there were smart people back then. Yeah. People really wanted to be able to mix their drinks together and save about five seconds. Yeah. Because lazy people existed in the past, or people so <laughs> smart, smart yeah. that they were like, mm, I'm going to start my own shit. I'm going to invent something that'll serve me my own wine and stuff. Yeah, lazy people existed in the BC times. Exactly. And so. smart ones, and both. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of lazy people, wait, does mine have to do with, any, with being lazy? I already forget the story. Um, No, it doesn't. It's just about being stupid. Let's question Florida, everyone. I mean, of course it does. Usually these stories have to do with being stupid. This is from June 11th of this year, which as of today is like yesterday. Oh, yes. It's super recent. My most recent one, probably. This is from a Newsweek article. Florida man, I, you you would have some knowledge about this one because you've talked to me about this. Okay. What you have an idea already? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I, I'm knowledgeable on like random things. Yeah, so. you'll see. Okay. Florida man took cocaine and ate pufferfish liver. Ended okay. up in intensive care. Yeah, that's not good. What do you know about this? About the pufferfish? Well, I know uh, the Japanese eat pufferfish. It's called fugu. Um, and, but fugu? fugu, yeah. And in order to prepare it, you have the chefs have to be trained for like years and it's because puffer fish is poisonous and all the poison is in the liver. Mm-hmm. So they have to learn how to cut it 
right, so <laughs> none of that poison leaks through any of the meat or anything. Yes. So I'm surprised he's not dead. <laughs> so this is why, this is a good reason I chose this. When I saw this, I was like, oh yeah, Mindy will know. All right, let's get into this. Florida man was hospitalized after he and his grandmother ate a potentially lethal pufferfish. The unnamed 43-year-old man visited Aventura Hospital and Medical Center in South Florida, suffering from vomiting and stomach pains. Both of his legs had gone numb. He felt weak, and he was struggling to speak and stay awake. The pain had erupted in his chest, which made it feel as though it was tearing his doctor's rope. Uh, yeah. So uh, far, about what you would expect? Uh, I mean, I really don't well, know yeah. the effects, because people... I mean, it's rare that people die from eating yeah. puffer fish, because they get it from somewhere that knows how to serve it. Yeah, yeah. They don't just, like, catch one and eat it. Yeah, and plus, I feel like the people that do die from the puffer fish... Probably don't do cocaine either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a good combination. Yeah, no. Like, if you're going to eat puffer fish, the least you could do is not mix it with cocaine. Yeah. Or just do pot at least. <laughs> Hospital staff learned that the man had eaten the liver of a... So, like, just the liver, the worst part, I guess. Yeah, that's not literally... Unless they're just saying eating the, they know it because it's the poisonous part, but if he just picked out the liver, then that would be really stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's where the poison is. Yeah. It's like you're eating... It's like you have a, ba a, like a big box of rat poison, and you eat the poison, not, like, the cardboard. Or... <laughs> it's like you, you peel an orange, and you only eat the peels... Not poisonous, but it's just stupid. <laughs> or you have a watermelon, and then you eat just the seeds, if you are still in the belief that a watermelon <laughs> can grow in your stomach. Yeah. Or you have a slice of pizza, and you... Did, <laughs> did, did, do you remember an episode of Rugrats where, like, the kids were afraid that a watermelon was going to grow in their stomach? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Who was Angelica afraid of that happening? Or no, it was the kids. I think Angelica. Angelica was probably she's the bitch. probably the one that told the bitch that told. <laughs> yeah, Angelica from Rugrats was a bitch. She was, <laughs> even though she was like six. <laughs> <laughs> hey kids! Uh, hey, I don't like all, all the kids in my yeah. schools. Six-year-old girls can be bitches too. Yes. <laughs> um, hospital staff learned the man had eaten the liver of a pufferfish four hours before arriving at the hospital. Three days How did he survive that long? <laughs> three, I know. Uh, three days prior, he had also consumed canned food and cocaine, by the way. So, Wait, canned food? Yeah, I don't know why they included that part in there. Yeah, well, I mean, the cocaine... Okay, so I guess it's not that bad if they did the cocaine like three days before. Yeah. Um, the patient's grandmother, who had eaten a smaller amount of the fish, also experienced dizziness and weakness in her lower body. The pair had been poisoned by tetro... Dotoxin. Tetrodotoxin. Sure. Whatever. A potent chemical which is around 1,200 times more toxic to humans than cyanide. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're alive. There is no known antidote to the poison which mainly lurks in the liver and ovaries of the fish. Instead, physicians can only offer patients respiratory support until the toxin exits the body through urine. Like, how did... Did they explain how they got the liver... <laughs> I'm not sure it does, but I'm imagining they caught it <laughs> in some way. Uh, are like, there pufferfish I mean, in Florida? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Alexa, are there pufferfish in Florida? She's going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, I don't know that. <laughs> of course okay. you don't. Sorry, no one has ever asked anyone that in the history of <laughs> mankind. Uh, pufferfish. Um, <laughs> um, puffer fish. 
in Florida. About, uh, oh, I guess it could be. Yeah. yeah. There are more than 120 species of puffer fish, but it's like, it's like all in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I guess it could be in Florida. And they always flaunt their livers out to tempt people to eat them. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> As the man's... Huh. I guess maybe he was really dumb. Like, he went to, like, this, like, sketchy uh, fisherman, and he was like, no, dude, listen, the liver of the puffer fish is a delicacy in, <laughs> in Japan. I think we can sum up all of the Florida stories by what you just said. I guess maybe he was really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> As the, as the man's condition deteriorated, medics put a tube down his throat to protect his airways, and he was admitted to the ICU. The poisoning triggered acute respiratory failure, where the lungs stopped oxygenating and removing carbon dioxide from the blood. His blood pressure was dangerously high, and his kidneys stopped working properly. According to his doctors, the patient also had a history of chronic kidney disease and hypertension. What is wrong with this guy? I don't, I, how is this guy still alive? Maybe he's dead. I don't know if I read the end of this. <laughs> Eventually, the patient recovered from respiratory failure, so that's good. But his kidneys did not heal, and he still relies on dialysis. Are you looking up something about pufferfish? What's yeah. happening? Okay, so it says symptoms generally occur 10 to, 10 to 45 minutes after eating the pufferfish poison. So begin. So you begin with numbness and tingling around the mouth, salivation, nausea, nausea vomiting, um, and then progressive paralysis, loss of consciousness, respiratory failure, and can lead to death. So I don't know how he survived for so long. If like you feel the effects ten to forty-five minutes after you eat it. Yeah, he he. It said four hours before arriving. So maybe you just start to feel the effects, but they take a while to actually kill you. Because I don't. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get into the stuff that you told me. Okay. Because they they also go into this. Okay. Pufferfish is considered a delicacy in Japan, where only highly trained and licensed chefs can prepare the dish known as fugu to protect diners from the potentially deadless... (laughs) From the potentially deadless... Deadless. There's no death happening. (laughs) The The fish are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) The potentially deadly consequences. Intoxication is characterized by tingling lips and tongue, headache, vomiting, muscle weakness, and a loss of coordination. In some cases, patients die because of respiratory and or heart failure. So it says in some cases, so I guess there's some times where it doesn't. Symptoms, I I think I might have it here too, actually. Symptoms generally show between 30 minutes to 6 hours after the poison is ingested. Okay. In one case in Japan, a man died 2 hours after eating a pufferfish. So I guess it just kind of depends. Yeah. Maybe the cocaine interacted and was like fighting back. Like, no, I got you. I got Somehow you. I got you, bro. Cookie. I got you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Get out of pufferfish. Get out of here. Just like really hyped up. The one time cocaine is actually a good thing. Yeah. Um, and if- maybe cocaine does help when you eat pufferfish. I guess so. Cocaine has some good benefits, after all. <laughs> Put that on uh, WebMD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it says, um, vomiting should be an- induced if the poisoned person is awake and alert and has eaten the fish within three hours. <clears throat> yeah, definitely need to yeah. induce vomiting anytime you have something toxic in your <laughs> system. Um, the authors of the latest uh, BMJ case reports, so the... Oh, the BMJ case reports is just like the the doctors uh, wrote it. Noted that the pufferfish is uncommon in South Florida, 
but the dangerous food might be available at underground markets. Uh, so I was right. <laughs> well, it's uncommon, but it's still... It's... No, but but the whole like scenario of him going to a sketchy fisherman was right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you knew everything about this article. Uh, they also noted this particular case was exciting, quote-unquote, because the man not only consumed pufferfish, but canned food and cocaine, which made the differential diagnosis more broad and interesting. They're treating it like it's like a like a, like a, fun, si- a science experiment. <laughs> yeah, experiment. Mostly, uh, poisonings happen in countries where people know little about the dangers of pufferfish or how to prepare uh, the fish. Mm, that makes sense. In 2008, for instance, 95 people across three districts fell ill after consuming the fish in Bangladesh. Of those, 14 died. So 14 out of 95, not a great ratio. That's <laughs> probably like uh, around 14%. Um, they died? Died, yeah. And in 2014, two people in Minneapolis mm-hmm. were sickened after buying pufferfish from a street vendor. I'm just trying to, I'm thinking of that uh, meatloaf song. It's like, um, I would do two, any... no, oh. two out of three. <laughs> I think that's Elton John. No, it's, it's, <laughs> is it meatloaf? It's meatloaf. Does he do a cover or Oh, I maybe. I don't know. I just, I've just always heard, uh, heard it from meatloaf. Maybe, maybe I was thinking of a, uh, one of those commercials. Where they used to have like, you remember those old commercials where they would have like a compilation CD or mix or something, and then some of the some of they would have to scroll through the the song oh, titles. Oh, like a commercial. And some of them would be in yellow, and they would be the one they're playing. Like the infomercials. And there was one where they had that, and then Elton John was like right after or something. Oh. But apparently, okay, two out of three ain't bad was Olivia Newton John, and then Meatloaf, or vice versa. Um, but I don't know Olivia Newton John did that song. Yeah. Originally, that's cool. I don't know. That. Yeah, but um, I, like song. I don't think uh, Elton John had anything to do with the song. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, all right, last part here. The authors concluded, much remains to be investigated regarding this powerful and paralyzing toxin before it is commercially used. For now, we will forewarn the public to refrain from consuming the deadly delicacy known as fuku. So that report actually says just to stay away from it because you might not know. But I guess if you really trust the person... Maybe you can, but I wouldn't risk just, it. <laughs> just make sure they have a cer- uh, official certificate that they know how to serve it. Yeah. It's like... Maybe, uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way I would trust it. But then again, uh, I've seen videos of people eating fugu, and people say, like, eating it, like, sashimi-wise, mm-hmm. that it's really good, but I'm not a risk-taker. You wouldn't, you wouldn't bother? Nah. Yeah, I, I don't think I would either. Like, well, you don't like raw fish in general, so... Yeah, I just mean, I still wouldn't, if, even if I liked it. <laughs> it's not worth it just to, just to, uh, to try it if there's a possibility that it's going to do all the shit that it did to this guy. <laughs> so, yeah. That was an interesting one. I think that might have been our longest Florida segment, but it was worth it. Um, hopefully, if we take away anything from this episode, it'll... Don't be a we, dumbass and eat fugu. Yeah, maybe at least it'll save one person from pufferfish death. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. One one of the eight listeners can uh, that didn't know before will avoid it. Maybe we're changing lives, but yeah. I doubt it. Okay. But if you're going to eat it, just go eat it in Japan. Yeah. With someone who knows how to do it. Yeah. For sure. Don't do it in Florida, guys. No, don't do anything in Florida. Yeah. Just Just go to Disney World. Go to Disney World and maybe uh, have some gator bites. I don't know. That's a New Orleans thing. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So as usual, let's get back into the topic at hand. Going back to robots and it's time for you to spot the fake. (laughs) 
All right, so I found an article from Inc.com, I-N-C. I'm not sure. It's just kind of like about technology stuff. Okay. Nine crazy things robots can do for you right now. Can they serve me wine? I mean, that first one could mix it at least. <laughs> so three of these are going to be real things that have been like documented as what a robot can do. Okay. And then one of them is going to be one that I made up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, create customized flip-flops. Number two, detect intoxication using an eye scan. Number three, create prescription eyeglasses. Number four, air deliver blood. Okay. I think the last one is real. Okay. Just too random for me to make up. Yeah. Okay. I think the second one about Mm -hmm. the intoxication about by their eyes, I think that's fake. That one's fake? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me start with that one that you said. Um, So that's your answer. Yeah. All right. Air deliver blood. San Francisco startup Zipline... Um, so it's the company is called Zipline. Mm-hmm. They have an autonomous drones uh, that deliver blood transfusions and medicine to small villages in Rwanda, and will take to the American skies soon. They can carry three pounds of supplies seventy-five miles in a single charge. That's cool. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one. This is actually also out of San Francisco. Canna, uh, a robot from eyewear maker Jin's. Builds custom glasses in under 30 minutes. Customers at the company's San Francisco shop input their prescription and frame choice and leave the store with a new pair. So that's, that's pretty cool, that's too. That's helpful, too. Yeah. yeah. These are all pretty helpful things. And then... And then the robots take over. <laughs> the last, new, the last uh, real one. Yushu's bot can create flip-flops. Yes. Using the customer's impression. <laughs> After a quick foot scan, the robot shapes and carves the new pair of sandals and has them ready within 15 minutes. Can you add the air horn noise now? Sure. Yes. That was almost as accurate as it, so I'll just use that. No, that was good. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, if I remember. Well, you will remember because I just said it. (laughs) No, I might cut it all out in my head. Um, All right, so good job. You got me on this one. It was overdue. You haven't... uh, been doing well lately. <laughs> <laughs> I won last week. Yeah, it was the quiz, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I did better than I thought I would. You did. I, I, only lost, I only beat you. No, you only yeah. beat me by one. Yeah, I only beat you by one. Um, yeah, so obviously the one I made up was detect intoxication using an ice game. Which was funny because as, we as we were recording, I remembered that I didn't come up with a fake one yet. So while we were talking... <laughs> I was trying to think of one. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to make up a fake one. <laughs> and then I think when we were talking about wine, I was like, oh, that might be one. And so that's why I thought you I, made that one up. I don't think that's why. Yeah, it's exactly why. You thought I just did it on the fly? Well, no, but the, but it had to do with me and, like, drinking. So that means you... Oh, <laughs> just because I had to do with drinking, you thought that that's why that was in my head? Well, because you know how much you say because my eye is, like, you can tell when I'm drunk. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could have been a thing. You know what's funny, too, also, is that I thought of I was going to do a robot that can hit a bullseye every time on a, on a dartboard, mm-hmm. but that was real. I looked it up just to make sure. I was like, yeah, damn it. That, looks, I, that, that seems like something uh-huh. that exists. And there was another one, too. I forgot what it was, but I looked up, like, two different things, and robots already could do it, <laughs> even though I was just trying to, like, make up a fake one. But um, as far as I know, this isn't... I. I 
I, I went into Google and I was like, robot that can scan eyes <laughs> for a drunk. And it's like, no. Robot that can masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I don't know about that one. So good job. Yay. All right. So at this point, let's get into my main story. And I'm going to show you, if you want to come around, this is about a restaurant called Spice in, in uh, Boston. Oh, so far? At Spice, we set out to create a new style of restaurant. We wanted to bring amazing meals to people at a more affordable price point. Each meal is made to order in three minutes or less, starting at seven dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. So what we're looking at now is they're uh, mixing when a we bunch were of food for- in, in uh, I guess, in, in a vat. Yeah, like pots, and it's just automatic. There's a whole line, like assembly line, full of them, and they're pouring out into bowls and stuff. MIT students, we couldn't really find uh, a decent meal at an affordable price point. As robotics-obsessed engineers, we set out to create a new, efficient way of cooking food. From our humble starts in our fraternity basement. Oh, yeah. Why? Well, just because you're making it to order and, like, it's just adding anything you want. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what they're doing. Uh, We developed a prototype that really sort of proved we could build something that can create delicious, high-quality meals. Our walks cook by constantly tumbling your food which provides a really nice and even sear. They're heated with induction, and we have temperature control to uh, perfectly cook your meal every time. When we had the robotics nailed down, we knew we needed some culinary excellence really brings this restaurant concept to life. I'd heard of Danielle. I knew that he was one of the top chefs in the world. And... Do you know this guy, or...? No. Apparently he's a very good chef. I decided... Danielle Balud. Something like that. I had to try to guess his email address. A few weeks later, I got a response. Receiving uh, this note from Michael, I was curious. A robotic kitchen was something who puzzled me a little bit. I needed to come to Boston. I discovered that the robotic kitchen bring precision, consistency, taste, and also freshness to the preparation. So it's kind of cool that he's open to it since, like, it's basically doing it's his job. <laughs> he probably knows he's already enough of a badass that it doesn't matter. He can still cook better. To complete the team, Spice needed an executive chef. And I found in Sam Benson, his experience with me as executive sous chef at Café Boulou, also his experience in Fast Casual was a very good fit. Danielle and I, we're taking a very vegetable-focused menu complex, delicious, and nutritious meals, being able to transfer it to the Spice Robotic Kitchen. Mm -hmm. Spice was created. A lot of bowls of meats and veggies and a lot of healthy looking stuff. Be affordable, tasty, and nutritious. I really hope that our customers will leave feeling that they've gotten delicious, exciting, and amazing meal at a really affordable price point. Yeah, so... So it actually exists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this place is currently open in in Boston. Hmm. And uh, let me go ahead and tell you more about it. So, of course, it was this was in, in May of last year that this article came out mm-hmm. from uh, Digital Trends. Of course, it was some recent MIT graduates, uh, four of them, Brady Knight, Michael Fareed, Luke... Schluter and Kale Rogers. Kale, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Kale. K A L E, just like it 
That's just like the food. Uh, they launched a new fast food restaurant called Spice that had uh, an entire kitchen staffed by robots. Spice offers a half dozen bowls of food in Latin, Mediterranean, and Asian styles. Prices start out at just seven fifty a bowl. The explanation for the budget-conscious price tag is because using robots to prepare the meal saves on costs. These savings are then passed directly onto the customer for an experience that's both high-tech and wallet-friendly. So, so far, sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> While we expected many people to come to the restaurant at first because of the novelty of the robot, the real benefit of our robotic kitchen comes from the quality of meals we were able to serve. Um, that's what the co-founder said. Um, being that our robot does the portioning and cooking, we can ensure the meals are being made consistently and accurately. Another advantage is that our technology allows employees to focus on creating more meaningful connections with our guests. So when the customer enters Spice, mm-hmm. they're met with a human guide who shows them uh, to a touchscreen kiosk where they can place their order. This order is then sent to the kitchen, which is visible to the customers, where the food is prepared by robots. Finally, it's handed over to a human employee to add garnishes like cilantro or crumbled goat cheese before being distributed to the customer. So it's still in the hands of somebody at the end to, I guess... To add the... Add some yosh. Milk. Yeah, but it's a lot less than having to do the whole thing, all the cooking and everything, so... Mm-hmm. Um, the Spice Robots precisely execute recipes created by Sam Benson of the celebrated Café Boulogne. Uh the, the company also boasts Michelin-starred chef, so that's the guy that yeah, we heard yeah, yeah. talking with the accent. So he agreed to participate after seeing a demonstration of the robot in action. Running a restaurant is quite difficult, uh, one of the founders acknowledged. It's an industry of low margins with high turnover rates and little room for error. While I can't speak to the industry as a whole, our technology has allowed us to deliver incredible meals for 750 and serve them consistently. We're excited to be part of the industry and grow with it. So, yeah, that's, uh, I feel like, another thing that you would be interested in because you love food. Yeah, it's it doesn't replace all restaurants. I think I think it's a good idea for like maybe college kids or mm-hmm. anyone that's just like on the run, like having lunch during work or something, just to go in there real quick and yeah. get something like nutritious to eat instead of like going to like McDonald's or uh, Church's Chicken or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it kind of reminds me of this other restaurant um, in New York. I forget what it's called, but it's a ramen restaurant. And, like, you have limited contact with, like, anyone. Like Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, like, you're in a stall, and then you just, like, place your order on a card, and you just slip it through a little hole, and someone will grab it for you. Uh-huh. And it's like the introvert's restaurant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Favorite restaurant. So it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, agreed. So I guess... Um... Bottom line, do you trust robots? No. No. Not yet. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. Not um, fully. That's probably Let's right. wait until they give me wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are robots that can serve you wine if that's the only thing you're worried about. Yeah. I mean, once I do that, I'll be okay with them. <laughs> okay. Well, then you're on board. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh, by the way, um, I looked up uh, the I Love You, Newton John song. Oh, yeah. The... Two out of three ain't bad. Mm-hmm. Awful. When we took a break. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. Just listen to the Meatloaf version. It's way better. Okay. Okay. And uh, maybe check out the Elton John version. Oh yeah, and just, just Google it real quick. See yeah, if you can you find it. Listen, <laughs> listen to it. I don't know why I thought I, I why in my head I just heard like two out of three ain't bad. Like I don't know in his voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just a false memory. We'll, we'll chalk it to that. 
Add to the category. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on that note, let's go ahead and uh, call it, I think. Anything yeah. else about robots? Um, I think we covered it all. Yeah. I'm just, we'll just see how technology goes and hope they don't kill us all. Yeah, don't trust them until they can serve us wine. Exactly. All right. And on that note, let's raise our glasses and go grab a refill. All right. Bye, bye everyone. If you're going to eat puffer fish, the least you could do is not mix it with cocaine.